everyone, and welcome to Spooky Mountain. Thank you so Bye. much for listening to this week's episode. Hi, Steph. Mm. Hey, Jordy. <laughs> How you going? Oh, I'm really good. Hot and Yay. sweaty. Oh, sweaty. It's so fucking hot. It's nice. Yeah, it's a nice Australian humid summer. It's it's so we're gross. all super shiny, just glistening at each other through the the webcam. It's fucked we're up. We're glowing, literally glowing. Not by choice. Not by choice. We. <laughs> I am just sweating my balls off. There mm. are so many mosquitoes in this because it's like a. Oh. muggy sticky heat so mm-hmm. many mosquitoes i yeah. am just constantly getting bitten yeah yeah mosquitoes. as soon as i go outside it's mosquito. i've got those citronella coil mm. things that i've just oh, yeah, got they're good. open 24 7 yeah i can never get those to burn properly i have to light them oh like you have to hold the lighter times. for like a minute oh like, for it to you light make properly. sure your your thumb is Burning. Burning off. And then you're like, okay, my thumb's going to burn off. It's ready to go. It's melted yeah. into the lighter. We're yeah. good to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, what have you got for us yeah. this week? What's your story? I have no idea what your story is. So um, we're doing a really um, – it's quite a simple story, but it's a UFO encounter. <gasps> Ooh, and yay. it's Yeah, it's, it's a really, really fascinating – encounter that happened um a long time ago oh yeah but it's a classic and i don't think a lot of people do know about this but i think people in the um the field kind of do know this but it's a really great little story um i love it and i think you know it's it's really exciting and it's an australian that experienced it as well oh no he wasn't in australia when it happened so yeah it's been a while since you've done a ufo story i think oh who knows who knows i I can't remember tomorrow yes tomorrow (laughs) tomorrow me neither (laughs) can't remember tomorrow no no fucking idea when it happened it's kind of just like a, a meshing of all different episodes now as well that we're up to what 20 21 or something 21 now i think yeah i know it doesn't seem it's I, I don't even know it's going so fast and so slow at the same time i know so what's your story this week oh mine is fun what's well, oh not necessarily fun but it's <laughs> it's fun for me to tell because okay. it's an australian story it's from oh. new south wales okay oh local Okay. Yes, very local. I'm not going to say any more, anything more okay. than that because oh, it might so cool. give away the location. I don't want to give away okay. the location because okay. you have for sure heard of at least this place. You may not have heard of the stories. Oh, yeah. Okay. Fuck yeah. Okay. So I've been right. wanting Ooh. to do this for a while. So, yeah. Right. It's, but it's not like super, super spooky, which mm-hmm. is why it's taken a while for me to do it because mm-hmm. sometimes when I feel like my stories aren't, super spooky i feel like oh i'm see, missing I like out on history t- on stuff though as well oh, ex- like yeah you know so it's all encompassed in yeah. one you know so cool. yeah that's what my story is gonna be okay very but, good yes very exciting i'm very excited to also listen to your story this week mm. but before we get into our stories mm-hmm. let's do housekeeping Hell yeah. All right. Well, you know the drill, everyone. If you're not following us on any of your social media, our social media platforms, make sure you get onto that. Um, mm-hmm. We also had our 
uh, really fun YouTube episode that came out. It's also, you can listen to it, but we've got it on YouTube where you can see our faces, which is yeah. all of your fun listener stories. So make sure you watch that. It was really, really fun. Mm. We've decided that uh, we're going to f- uh, do video for all mm. our listener episodes, which will be every now, every and, now and then. Yeah. Yeah. I guess when we get a good amount of your stories, we'll do it. Yeah, yeah. When we collect a good amount of stories, we'll put out one of those. And so mm-hmm. that's going to be available for everyone mm-hmm. uh, to watch on YouTube. But we're going to be keeping our special kind of like holiday special episodes for Patreon only. So yeah. if you are interested in supporting us, the best way to support us is on Patreon. And we promise we're going to give you some good shit if oh, yeah. you're on Patreon. We put a lot of effort into our Patreon stuff. Yeah, we so. do. Yeah. We've got four amazing patrons at the moment, so thank you so much to you guys. Yes. You know who you are. Yes. And we've got some good stuff on there already. We've got some behind-the-scenes photos. We've got a, oh, a yeah. video. We've got, yeah. we got a couple of videos. Yeah. Jordy's done a, a kind of like a start-of-the-year blog, blog post. Yeah, um, so that's going to be like once a month I'll do the blog post. Yeah. We have our Christmas video up there. So yeah, the can't... Christmas one's really fun. That was the Drunk as yeah. Fuck one, wasn't that it? That was the Drunk as Fuck yeah, episode. Yeah, that one was, that was fun. And the Discord as well, which is starting to yeah. really pop off. There's a lot of fucking weird stories oh, yeah. <laughs> happening on there. So A lot of poo stories. A lot of poo stories, <laughs> Re yeah. our yes. Christmas episode, which I do actually have to tell you another one okay. during this recording. Uh, and it is I'm kind here of, for it, yeah. <laughs> all right. Okay, how about we smash through the rest of our housekeeping yep. and then I'll get into my uh, poo-poo story. Sounds good. <laughs> so, oh, another thing that we just have to mention is that, mm. well, I'll mention it. Is that I? If you haven't listened to our last episode, the listener episode, you're not really going to know what I'm talking about right now. Um, mm. But I have an update from Tara's story. So Tara's story was the one with the clowns in her oh. house when she was a kid. How could you Super creepy. Fucking hell, mm. that was a very scary episode uh, story. Mm. So it's a very very quick little update. Um, so I asked her whether she thinks it's the house or, like, what these clowns are, and mm-hmm. she doesn't think it's the house at all. Okay. She believes that they're almost like messengers. Oh. Um, they're there to deliver message, uh, messages to her, um, and they're also kind of like protectors of okay. some kind. So they're there to maybe, like, send a message. So almost like a um, mm-hmm. a guardian of some sort. Yeah, but- and I guess they kind of, like, appear to what – you would recognize, I guess, because if you're yeah. a kid, like a clown kind of a makes clown. sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I guess okay. so. She so, and I guess it's kind of her also just saying that she doesn't think it's like um, a ghost of a clown that used to mm-hmm. be alive or anything like that. So mm-hmm. she does think it is kind of yeah, yeah, a little messenger just awesome. coming along to give her a little. Message. Yeah, it's nothing. <laughs> okay, that makes that's, that makes me feel a bit better. It was pretty fucking scary, though. I was really scared of that one. Yeah. That really freaked me yeah. out. Yeah, go listen to it, everyone, if you haven't listened to that one. It's mm-hmm. probably one of my favourite listener stories that yeah. we had from that episode. Mm-hmm. And also, so with our episodes, as you might know, we um put uh, relevant uh, photos on our social media and 
with Tara's story with the clown. Uh, we're going to be putting up a photo of a clown that looks uh, similar to the one that she saw. And the photo that we're going to be putting up, it's actually the photo that she sent us to oh, kind of it? show uh, what kind of clown it looks like. Oh, So that okay. isn't just like a random photo that we've chosen. That's actually one to, where she's like, that's it. That's what it fucking looked like, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, because it's creepy, that one is very, it's very creepy. Yeah, very creepy. Ew. Kind of old-style sepia brown clown. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's filthy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, well... Hit me with your poo story. Oh, God, I forgot I was telling it. Okay, yeah, all right. I didn't forget. <laughs> all right, so for our Christmas episode, I did tell the story about uh, Panda, my daughter, dropping a poo in my house <laughs> and then said poo being... Dropping a nug. Tracked all, she dropped a fucking massive log. Oh, well, yeah, well, more than <laughs> it, was, it was a log. It was a log. <laughs> and um, and it somehow got trekked all around the house oh. and I spent many hours cleaning literal shit from my carpets. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I have one-upped oh, my this God. experience. How? Okay. So the other day I was sitting at my kitchen table and I was doing podcast stuff. I was typing typing mm-hmm. away and where my kitchen table is I can look on onto our back deck where there's a little like swimming pool for her and like a bunch of really fun toys yeah. and everything she just stands out there naked yeah. uh, because she's like splashing around and you know getting just soggy and everything yeah. all day so fantastic lots of fun 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 that is until mm. <laughs> she started crying and I was like oh no what's going on babe girl what's going on yeah I walk over to it. She's got her tongue kind of sticking out of her mouth a little bit. Like she, oh. I thought she had bitten her tongue. Yeah. I thought that she had like hurt her mouth. Yeah. Anyway. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. I wish that she had fucking bitten her tongue. Mm, me too. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You know where I'm going with this. Oh, so no. I look into her mouth and she had decided to eat her poo. She ate oh, her poo. She had dropped, again, panda. two massive logs on the back deck. I don't know what the fuck is going on so with this girl. So out of the pool. She, she got, got out, of the, out of the pool. Dropped, to do a poo. Yep, massive. Put it in her mouth and back in the pool. <laughs> yeah, and then she realised how bad it tasted mm. and so she just started crying. Learning And curve. I was like, <gasps> What do I do? She was like gripping onto me and like breathing on my face oh, with her poo oh, breath. Oh, yeah, poo breath. And she had poo breath, and I had to tr- scrape it off her tongue. And I was like freaking out. I had to like splash it with water, but then oh. I realized there was like poo in the water as well. Oh, yeah. And so I just grabbed a drink bottle and tried to like rinse it off her tongue. Oh, my God. And it was just, like, freaking her out more. So I just grabbed a bunch of blackberries from the fridge and just, like, shoved them into her mouth just to, like... Yeah, that's a good idea, actually, yeah. To rinse the the poo taste out from. So, yeah, I literally have a shit-eater as a daughter. Like, I don't know what the consistency of a poo would be like, but I've eaten Mm. clay before because I'm an idiot. And I was, like, 13 and I got dared to eat a chunk of clay in art class. Oh, yeah. And it took me so long to get the clay out of my mouth. And I can kind of feel like yeah. 
that's what who would be like. Yes, and even texture-wise, I feel like. Yeah, the like texture, more the of the texture, texture. Like it coated yes. your whole tongue, the back of your tongue, all between your teeth, and you can't, yeah. you can't get it. Get it out. That's what it was like. Even after I got, you know, all the solid matter out of her mouth, <laughs> there was yeah. still just like her mouth was brown. It yeah. was just like saliva, like poo saliva floating yeah. around her mouth. But uh, I'm so sorry if mm. I have just brought too much poo onto this mm. podcast, but I'm a mother and this oh, is what happens. Gotta, I'm sure, look, as we know from the last episode, a lot of people have, are relating to the poo stories. So, yes, you know, even if you don't have a kid like me, yep. I deal with cat poo like all the, oh, yeah. all the time. I oh, deal yeah. with my own poo all the time. You're it's a, a struggle, cat mother. It's a hard life sometimes. Not in the sense that I'm eating my own poo, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lies. I don't yeah. believe it. Well, well, I had a very different week from you. I had a... a, a, a <laughs> A really fun week. Oh, okay. Um, what did you do? Yeah, like everyone's getting COVID, as we know. Like everyone's just literally fucking... everyone. Oh, it's just fucked. Yeah. So, and a lot of my friends don't live near me. So, mm. um, every now and again, we hop online and we, you know, play some video games together. And uh, yeah, my the other night, oh, it was a few nights ago. Me and my friend decided let's just go onto Steam and just see what cheap, fun game we can get. And we found a game awesome. called Chupacabra Night Hunt. Ooh, and it was a dollar fifty. It was on sale. Okay, and we you take turns, so it's like kind of like Slender Man. It's in the dark. It's in right. You know the forest, and there's like little cabins everywhere. And you take in turns. So one person is the hunter and you've got a little knife and then one person is the chupacabra. And you're the chupacabra, you've got to find the hunter and kill him. Oh, I thought it was going to be vice versa. Like you. Well, it's the other way. It can go both ways, but okay. the chupacabra. Now, we, we didn't know this at the start because when we first played, we were both the hunter, both trying to kill the chupacabra. And then we realised, oh, oh right. we can do it where we're against each other. Yeah. And I was the Chupacabra first, and it was so fucking scary. The whole vision goes like like it's like a green filter over the screen, and you can see these, like, big lizard hands in front of you, and it just <laughs> runs at full speed. Oh, like, wow. So it's hard to kind of focus on something because you're so yeah, fast, and there's, yeah. like, random goats everywhere, and you have to try and kill the goats. And every time you're a Chupacabra and you kill a goat, you get some sort of, like, superpower. Which helps you find. No, oh, I've never heard of this game. I know it's it's like really not actually that great, but okay. it was yeah, it was a dollar fifty, but it That's was still good really fun. For we were like fifty, yeah, we were screaming because it was so funny, um, <laughs> just how because we just didn't understand it for so long, and then um, <laughs> one of my other friends, Ailey, um, who's a friend of the podcast, she ended up joining us, and we got into Second Life, which is something. Have you ever played Second Life before? Is Second Life like the little? It's like a little character that jumps around it's almost like a front on uh what's how do you say oh, like, like a 2d kind of thing yeah like not front on or is it a little shadow not at all person no okay i feel like no. i have played this but i think i'm getting it mixed Am up I with something think, else yeah i think i think i know what you're talking about but second life is literally like the most popular I you know how like the whole metaverse is like a thing now yeah like second life is that so it is an right. online world and it is so fucking big that you literally make your own online avatar. 
you know, like have a hotel and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Second Life is like real shit. People have full-time jobs in Second Life. They make a store where they design avatar clothes and you go into the shop, buy buy it, give them real money for clothes for your character. Like it's unbelievably (laughs) in-depth. So no, this is so different to what I was so picturing. funny. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll, I've got to upload these pictures. I did do a couple on my personal page, but I think it's it's so funny. So me, Ailey, and our other friend Phil, we made, made our characters, like, really fucked up. <laughs> just, they just look so fucking scary because <laughs> we, we couldn't really figure out, like, how to do the how to use the game properly yeah. and everyone in second life takes things seriously so we, we found this nightclub world where it's like a full nightclub there's people in a dance floor dancing right and we're in the middle of this dance floor flicking through like the menu and our clothes are changing oh, yeah. and stuff all of a sudden my character's on a fucking horse and i have no idea i was Did like, you, like oh, get kicked I- out of the club well, we did end up getting kicked out. Phil was right. naked and they said, you're exposing too much skin. <laughs> and then I see I've got two messages from them saying, excuse me, you can't have your horse here. And I'm like, oh, my God. They're, they're taking it so seriously. It's so funny. I will upload some pictures because I try to make mine look really scary, but it, it does look really scary, but really funny at the same time i'm yeah i've i and it's so different to what i was picturing but that sounds pretty fun though it's super super fun it's super fun yeah i can imagine exactly how people would get just like so absorbed in there's a netflix documentary on it it's called second life you should actually definitely watch it it's about people that pretty much ruin their lives from this game have you have you ever heard of rust the game rust yeah i've never played it though it's pretty good. Uh, my boyfriend is like fucking addicted to it. Like, you know what? That makes sense because your Discord always says playing Rust. Rust, and I'm like, yeah. I have so. no, but I've played it though because mm. I I have a laptop now that can play. Oh games. yes, true. My, yeah, yeah. My true. special new laptop. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's pretty good, but um, you yes. die. Once you die, you die though, don't you? Is that the one? Yeah. Oh. Like kind horror? of. So you like set up bases and stuff, right. and so when you die, you lose all your shit. But you can go back to your base. Um, but your base can get raided really easily if you don't like upkeep your base. It deteriorates, and so mm. it kind of just like dr- it's like perfect for the gaming addict because you need to be yeah. kind of constantly logging on to like not get fucked over to not get fucked over and it's just oh that sounds so dangerous oh yeah it is it's so dangerous like i i love it but i haven't gotten that fully addicted yeah. to it because yeah I like don't you know, play it more i think yeah it's one of those games where you have to invest heaps of time to time. really for it to really be good because otherwise you're just stressing out going, I don't have time to fucking play this game. There's no... Well, that's exactly right. Like, I started playing really because, like, Phil, my like, my boyfriend, yeah. you know, he was, like, super invested in it and he was like, you should play this game. And I, mm-hmm. um, I started playing and I love it, but, you know, we'll play for, like, an hour and I'm like, oh, this has just wrecked me. I'm so tired. Yeah. And then, <laughs> like, I don't log on to it for a few days and, like, 
you know, I have yeah. to start all over again because, like, mm. my base is all, yeah, deteriorated. That's, and, yeah, that, that would piss me off. Uh, yeah. But it sounds really fun, but, yeah. It's fun. It's fun. We should definitely get on Twitch and play some games, you know. I think so. Yeah, I've still got uh, Chupacabra Night Hunt, so we should oh, definitely yep. play that because it's super fun on Twitch. And I, I got this other game. It's now past the Christmas time, but it's called Christmas Massacre. Oh, that sounds and, fun. Well, yeah, I, I I gave it a little test run and I'm really not sure what I bought, but <laughs> I'm give, we should give it a go at some point. Yeah. Even I, like, your, I, I thought it was your Santa and you have to kill as many oh. uh, children as possible. Like, elves. Oh, my God. It's really grim, but the, <laughs> the, the graphics are like super shit. But I played it like five minutes and I didn't see anyone else. Except oh, for who I was. Right. So, so it, it is like an online game. No, it's not online. Oh. So, yeah, you're in like a house and I was like walking around this house and I was like, I cannot find anyone. And then I just stopped. So I have oh. no idea. So uh, The name of it sounds very fun. It, I know. Christmas Massacre. Christmas Absolutely. Massacre. Oh, that's why I got it. I was like, hell yeah. Maybe you're a child that you has to like. Oh, no. Are you, you can see that you're Santa, though. You can see that you're well, Santa in the game. I am. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I look like I'm Santa, but also a child. It's very fucking weird. That's <laughs> weird. I can't explain it. Oh, but anyway, I think I need to get into my story because we're okay. getting way too... I could, Off the fucking rails. Yeah, it's just insane. All right, yes. Let's, uh, let's get into your story. All right. So tonight I'm going to be talking about a really cool UFO incident that I mentioned earlier. And it happened in Papua New Guinea, and it was 1959, so quite a while ago now. Um, but it's still one of the most amazing sightings and interactions ever recorded due to the fact that so many people witnessed Oh, this. I yeah. love There's these heaps ones. Of people involved, yeah. This is reminding me already of the aerial school mm-hmm. incident in um, – Rua, uh, the Rua, Rua. Yeah. yeah, yeah, one of my our first stories. I know, it's so good when you've got multiple witnesses. Oh, yeah. So during this time, it's in the middle of summer, and Father William Gill, who was 31 at the time, uh, he was running the Australian Anglican Mission in Papua New Guinea. So he was there along with a couple of others who were stationed in the village. The mission was stationed at Boyanai, which is surrounded by large rainforests and mountains and it sits right on the coast so it's like a, a beach as well it's fucking amazing beautiful yeah it's it's amazing i was looking it up on google maps it's really isolated mm. um but it's very thick tropical mountainous jungle and oh, it's just yeah. beautiful it kind of like um but once it gets down to the coast it's, it's quite flat there's like agriculture and then just right, like, okay. little splattered yeah. villages everywhere i mm. can kind of picture exactly what you're talking yeah. about yeah so it's um yeah we're all kind of in this little village mm. here and one night father gill's assistant stephen moy told him that he had just seen an inverted saucer-shaped object and it was hovering right above the mission Father Gill tells Moy it must be Venus, as it should be incredibly bright in the sky. However, as they head down to the beach to get a clearer view, they can see Venus and the object. Oh, oh, both in the mm-hmm. same. They're both in the sky. Frame. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 
So they're both looking at it. They can see, yeah, Venus is very clear. He goes, okay, that's Venus. So I have no idea what that is. That is, yeah. So they were looking at it for about a minute or so and then it just disappeared. So Father Gill didn't really think too much into this, uh, so he kind of just went about his night as normal. Um, now, this wasn't the only UFO encounter he had heard of at this point because many of the villagers were actually saying to him that they've been seeing similar lights in the sky um, and strange objects, but, you know, he, he didn't really think too much of it. And, uh, yeah, I guess a little did Father Gill know that he would be the main person to see the following events unfold. Mm. On July 29th, Father Gill sent a letter to David Jury who was an acting principal at St. Aidan's College. He received the following letter. There have been quite a number of reports over the months from reliable witnesses. The peculiar thing about, about these most recent reports is that the UFOs seem to be stationary at Boyanai or to travel from Boyanai. I myself saw a stationary white light twice on the same night in, on April 9th. The assistant, uh, the assistant district officer, Bob Smith, and Mr. Glover have seen it as well. I do not doubt the existence of these things, but my simple mind still requires <laughs> scientific evidence before I, before I can accept from the outer space theory. Hmm. I, am in, I am inclined to believe that probably many UFOs are more likely some form of electric phenomena or perhaps something brought about by the atom bomb explosions, etc., that Stephen should actually make out a, a saucer could be the work of the unconscious mind, as it is very likely that at some time he has seen these illustrations at some of some kind in a magazine, but it's all too difficult to understand for me. I prefer to wait for some bright boy to catch one to exhibit it in Martin Place. Yours doubting, William. <laughs> oh, what so. a fantastic letter <laughs> or, you know, piece of writing. Yeah, yeah. So that was like the first kind of letter that, um, yeah, that David Jury received off him and was like, okay, this is right. interesting So, the, sorry, just quickly, the person mm. who wrote that, he was someone on the mission, right? That's Father Gill. So yeah. Father Gill wrote that who's at the mission. Yeah. It's so great to hear someone who is like part of a church talking about just even briefly science and just I like know, right? it's a scientific thing. It's not Jesus and, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I know. I, lo I love it too. This is why this yeah, is such a great encounter. great story. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so he's, he's definitely seen something himself, but whether he's convinced at this point or not, he's definitely curious enough, you know, mm -hmm. he's writing a letter about it. Um, so just over a month later, which is now the 26th of June, mm -hmm. uh, and Father Gill has actually written another letter. Dear David, life is strange, isn't it? Yesterday, I wrote you a letter expressing opinions regarding the UFOs. Now, less than 24 hours, I have changed my views somewhat. Ooh, last juicy. Night, yeah. <laughs> last night, we at Boy and I experienced about four hours of UFO activity, and there is no doubt whatsoever that they are handled by beings of some kind. Oh, wow. At times, it was absolutely breathtaking. Here is a report. Cheers. Convinced Bill. <laughs> P.S. Do you think P. Moresby should know about this? 
If people think it worthwhile, I will stand the cost of a radio conversation if you care to make out a comprehensive report from the material on my behalf. Oh, so another he, great mm, letter. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So he he does say like I spoke to you yesterday. That was another letter he sent. Yeah, because there's been quite a few little ones here and there. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So. I love the cheers. Convinced. Cheers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's great that he had his first letter that was like, I don't know, it's just, you know. It's, it's reported. Something yeah, it's explainable. Like actually- uh, mm-hmm. Or for him it was something explainable, you know, and then to the other person he's kind of being like, oh, it's just him thinking that he's seeing a saucer. But yep. now he's like, no, this is definitely. This is what happened yeah this is what happened so he sent a very large report but pretty much i'm gonna you know summarize the whole thing of what happened so um so yeah this is what happened so father gill he was informed of a really bright light in the sky heading towards the mission many of the villagers at this point were also aware of the recent occasional sightings so this became really exciting Mm. and they all gathered with father gill down at the beach to watch the light get closer There were around 25 people, including Stephen Moy and another teacher named Ananias Rarata, who all signed sworn statements of the following event. Mm. The object got so close, it eventually stopped 100 metres above the mission and stayed stationary. It looked like a disc-shaped UFO. They quoted it as being around the size of five full moons. And it had... Four legs underneath that looked like landing gear, and they could see that it was very physical and solid. Op- it was definitely a solid object. Um, it had a really wide base and it tapered up to a deck section at the top, and it had four brightly lit panels on the side. Okay, it was quite close that so they mm. they got a very good detail. Yes, they were able to see like the legs underneath absolutely they all reported the same thing so they all were like yep that's exactly what what i saw yep uh every now and again as well the object would emit like a bright blue beam like a spotlight but from the top of the craft and Mm. it would just like shoot up into the sky at like a 45 degree angle so that would happen every now and again right which is weird um but as they were all staring at this they noticed four humanoid beings had emerged from the object and were standing on the deck. Oh, no way. Yeah. Oh, my God. Every now and again, that bright blue light would shine from above the UFO. After around 25 minutes of this, the UFO slowly raised up into the clouds and they no longer could see it. Many of the witnesses still stuck around to see if anything else would happen. I'd definitely be one of them. I'd be like, I'm sleeping on the beach. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And good thing they did, as later on that evening, a few other smaller UFOs had appeared in the sky in the same spot. Wow. So many UFOs. Yeah, yeah. So the sun was just starting to set at that point and, yeah, there was two other smaller UFOs alongside the large one, so that slowly appeared as well. One of the smaller ones was over the hills to the west and once uh, and one of them was directly over them with the main one. So it was kind of like next to the big one. All of the objects were hovering in the same spot 
And as everyone was watching, Father Gill still was unsure what was happening. He states at the time he honestly thought it was secret government planes or an experiment because mm. only two years prior they actually released the first satellite. So there really wasn't much to go off at that point. Like it was yeah. 59. And even um, with a satellite, like imagine yeah. seeing nothing like a satellite before and then seeing a satellite for the first time it would seem like so alien literally it it would seem like a ufo <laughs> yeah yeah that's right they're like that's not i don't know like it's definitely mm. not yeah like yeah. we know they move as well and these were just, yeah just completely still yeah yeah and again he kind of explained that they you could tell that they were being um kind of manned yeah by something yeah yeah, that's right. When they were moving, yeah. So they could see that the same large object had the beings on the top like last time. Um, and some of them, they were they, they noticed the beings, so they were all there and they could see them bending down a lot and it looked like they were kind of setting something up or doing repairs Ooh. on the ship. They, yeah, there, there's a lot of them were like, it looked like they were setting up or preparing something and some were saying, oh, they were they were doing repairs on the ship. It's very oh. strange. I know. <laughs> <laughs> or seeing a UFO is one thing, but then being able to kind of see beings doing yeah, oh, it's a bit, that is a just bit too on much. so much of a next level I know. of it's an so encounter, scary. you know. So, yeah, most of them were just doing this and then they noticed there was one of them who was out on the edge of the deck and he was looking down at them and he was, like, yeah, looking at them. Oh. Um. And so Father Gill waved his arm up above him to say hello. <laughs> he literally just waved at it. G'day. <laughs> yeah, he was like, hi. And to the surprise of everyone, it waved back in response. And they were like, what the fuck? They know to wave back. It waved back at him. Wow. So then his friend, Ananias, waved both his arms up and, like, above his head, just like crazy, was waving it, and then two other figures responded the same way. Fuck. Yeah. So now everyone is waving and all the four humanoids (laughs) are waving back and everyone's excited and verbally gasping. Yeah, everyone's like, wow, this is so cool. This is really cool. And while this is happening, Father Gill asks one of the other people there, he's like, hey, go back and get my torch. Go, Can you go back up to the hut and get my, my torch? So once he comes back, gives him his torch, uh, Father Gill starts waving the torch left to right, just slowly in a slow movement, left to right, just swaying back and forth. And about a minute or two into doing this, the ship starts to move in like a pendulum fashion and starts oh. moving alongside with the torch going left to right left to right yeah so it started to move like that and everyone was just like what the hell is happening this is crazy very interesting but quite creepy as well yeah yeah i don't know how i would respond to that situation at all no because that's a lot to see it's quite like close. Cr- exactly. Yeah. It's close and it's a crop. It's almost just like sh- I don't think this was its intention, but it's mm. showing what it's capable of doing. Yeah, that's a good which point. Which is yeah. a bit intimidating, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So the UFO then started to, while it was moving, it started to slowly creep towards them <sighs> and then okay. it just stopped. And the figures on top decided that they're going to go back inside the craft. 
probably they lost interest in what they were doing. They're like, mm. all right, we're done. Bored. So they go back inside. So everyone's still there watching. A few minutes later, two more of the beings come back out again, start working on the craft again, doing whatever the fuck they're doing. And the blue beam starts coming out, doing its thing. And this happened for about another 10 minutes. So Father Gill decided, look, I'm just going to go have my dinner. It was about like 7 <laughs> no this time. Yeah. It's yeah. like the most, most incredible thing that's ever happened. Yeah. So most people like really give him a lot of shit for this. They're like, what do you mean you just went back to dinner? He's like, you got to understand at this point, I really thought that this was like Australian or American oh, technology or like okay. a hovercraft. He's like, they looked very human. To me, it looked the object was so physical. He was yeah. like, "This is what it's something. Something it's humans." That's like, what made sense for him. Yeah, yeah. Him. So yeah. he's just like, "Look, not not much was happening. It was quite late. We're, we're, you know, it was going mm. all day most of the time on and off." So he's like, "I'm gonna okay. go and have my dinner." Yeah, that makes yeah. more sense. Yeah, I think yeah, a lot of people gave him shit for that. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, hey, "Hang on, hang on, hang on a second. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, now he's eaten his dinner. Um, the UFO at this point had slowly moved further away and many of the villagers had actually gone into church as well because they were sticking with their evening schedule. Um, but as they came out of the church, they could barely see the UFO anymore as many of the clouds had covered it up and everyone now had gone to bed. And it was about 10.45 p.m. and everyone was woken up by an ear-splitting explosion. Oh, shit. Uh, yeah, Father Gill said it was nothing like a bolt of lightning. Uh, it was a completely different noise. It was absolutely insane. Right. But not lightning. So no way. There was nothing like that. Okay. Um, now, how this is actually the last bit of the encounter. It just ended with that, that's which it. is absolutely insane. Yeah, there was nothing else after this. So... You know, he, he kind of finalised his whole report of what happened. The event was in all of the newspapers, as you can imagine. Of Everyone was talking about it. It was oh, just yeah. absolutely crazy. Um, a lot of people, of course, did question the legitimacy of the incident. However, Father Gill was a highly respected man alongside mm. his colleagues and there was a large number of witnesses there as well. So yeah. This couldn't be really put under the rug, this situation. Oh, especially with so many witnesses. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Father Gill, he was he was an educated man, as I said. He went to Trinity Grammar School in Melbourne. He studied theology in, at uh, St. Francis College of Brisbane. He studied education. Yeah, so and he's educated, well-respected. Yeah, he was in Papua New Guinea for ages, and then from then on when he moved on from Papua New Guinea, he was still doing education, and then he started studying more. Like, he's... He knows what he's fucking doing. He's not. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You can kind of tell the difference between someone yeah. who is just kind of like had an experience and they're reporting it as opposed to exactly. someone that is kind of in it for an ulterior motive. Yes, yeah, so to say, that's you know. right, yeah. So, yeah, as you can imagine, the Australian Parliament had taken his account very seriously and they got the Defence Ministry to take out uh, to send out two Royal Australian Air Force officers to investigate the location. They found Father Gill to be a very r reliable observer, but okay. they ended up saying that this is all just natural phenomena 
And it was the result of uh, a cloudy, thunder-prone day, um, and it was light refraction from Jupiter, Saturn, and Mars. That's what they actually wrote in the report. They're like, no, it's nothing. You saw nothing. It was just, you know. How could you, like, the extent of the denial is so. It's disturbing. Ridiculous. Yeah. To ha- have such a large group of people see something so solid. Mm-hmm. And they saw humanoid they things. They responded to them back. Like, what yes. are you talking about? And They're the pendulum fucking- moving, like the movement of the of the craft. Like, oh, it's exhausting. It's, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. Because it just, but this almost, sorry, I don't want to take away from your story too much, but just the fact that they're so in denial about all this stuff. It makes it seem. Makes it seem more obvious that there's something going on because it's like, why would you go to such extents to deny shit? They're saying they saw them do repairs on the ship. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. And they were waving at them. Yeah. (laughs) This isn't light refraction. Like you're better off saying nothing instead of being like, "Oh, it was just a thunder, thundery day." Yeah, it was a bit cloudy. Jupiter was looking a little bit big that night. Yeah, yeah, this is fucking Jupiter. You know, that's it. Fucked up. Oh, and and also, J. Allen Hynek. We love him. We love him very much. Um, he. So he works on Project Blue Book and he was working for them at, at this time. He investigated the events as well. And yeah, he actually said it was a genuine experience. He said he couldn't have, he couldn't come up with any other explanation as to, yeah, they saw what they saw. It it must have happened and that's because it. he couldn't he couldn't do it. There's no like, other excuse like yeah. reasoning behind it. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So that was really kind of refreshing. Um Yeah, so and yeah, sadly, Father Gill, he passed away in 2007, but he stuck mm. by his story the whole time alongside all the other witnesses. Yep. Um, yeah, but it'll always be an incredible interaction with aliens and it's so rare that you hear something so in-depth. But, yeah, for an encounter to go for hours as well, was, which is awesome, I think. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah that's a yeah. really cool story. Also the fact mm. that he wasn't straight off the bat saying it was a UFO, it yeah. was aliens. He thought it was some kind of government uh, aircraft. Yeah. And I yeah. guess thinking about it, it probably would have been, as time went on, he would have realised that it, mm-hmm. it wasn't just due to, I don't know, yeah. people being like, oh, no, that's not what it was, or yeah. kind of not gain- he would have gained knowledge of some kind that there yeah. was no you know, things going like, on at that time. Like he was hearing stories for like, I don't know how, it must have been like weeks or something, but people telling him nearly every day, oh, there's like lights in the sky that look really strange. Or, and he, for, for ages, he's going, mm, no, whatever. Passing yeah. it on, passing it on. And then it kind yeah. of got to a point where he's like, okay, you know, maybe I'll just kind of mention what's what's happening here. Yeah, yeah. I saw something too, but I don't know. You know, yeah, I think that's really important that that gets included oh, in the sure. story. Like, I think it does legitimize. Uh, mm-hmm. the information in the story a lot because, mm-hmm. as I said, there's a big difference. Like, uh, although if, you know, there was to be a person that was like, we saw a fucking UFO in the sky mm-hmm. and there were aliens on it, I don't think that is less legitimate than someone else, mm-hmm. you know, uh, being like, oh, I, I, you know, I think it was just government aircraft. But it does kind of add something... It does, yeah. Truthful to it, you know. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. It's, 
I don't know. I, I, I yeah, I love that story. That's such a great it's story. Great. I've never heard of that before. Mm. I've never heard of that. And so he's Australian. He was an Australian guy. Yeah, yeah. So oh yeah, yeah because he, he went to Luke. yeah. He he studied in um, Melbourne and in Brisbane. Melbourne. And, yeah. um, New, I think he in New South Wales as well. So mm. he's uh, yeah, he's Australian. And yeah, I think he was in Papua New Guinea for like maybe a couple years or something. Yeah, okay. had a mission there, but. It's a fun one. Fun I one. love stuff yep. like that. I've got lots more, so, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it makes me wonder as well why some unidentified flying objects mm. appear at certain areas. Why are they yeah. in this spot? Mm-hmm. What is attracting them? Such a small, them? isolated – like, this village is tiny. If you look at mm. on Google Maps, like, if you type in boy and I um, – it, it literally just put a pin in the middle of the forest where there is not a single road nearby. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? And then I found this other article where they took me closer to the coast. Okay. And I was like, oh, okay. Right. Right. And it's still very tiny. Small, like Small, small. Like shacks and stuff. Like, makes no wow. sense. Wow. And so why, why are they there? I wonder. Mm. I, this is a very wild guess, but I mm. wonder if there's some kind of uh, – like something in the ground that they want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is there some kind of resource that yeah. they need and they're yeah. checking out the area? Because I can't imagine, or maybe they're just like observing people at a certain yeah. level. It of could be because someone you know, down there, they really wanted to like um, alert for some reason. And yeah. also there's a whole thing about, you know, so many UFO encounters are to do with the water that there, a lot of them, there's, like, underwater bases for UFOs. Yes. It's, like, the whole underwater theory. Oh, so yeah. a lot of them could just be, like, lurking around the water and it's just a common place that they're kind of interested in. Yeah, um, but because that's knows? where their bases yeah. are anyway, like, in the water. That makes sense. Oh, it's very mm. interesting. I remember mm. talking to someone a while ago about whether they believed in, like, aliens and UFOs. Mm-hmm. And if they do believe in them, like, why do they think mm. that they're here? And this person responded with, I believe they need our gold. Oh, yes. I've heard of that theory. I haven't heard the theory. And oh. I was like, well, but I kind of feel like they would mm. be able to get gold in other ways. They wouldn't need our gold. But maybe yeah. it's not a resource that's available in that's right. other planets. That's right. Yeah, it's more of like an ancient aliens kind of theory right. um, about harvesting our gold because they need it for something else so we're the only ones that have it. Oh, but because we've dug okay. so much of it up, it's like hard to get it. And right, they made, I think, like the whole theory of we were, we're made, we're like an alien slave race. Oh, much. yeah. They made us to harvest their gold their for gold them. Their gold for yeah, them. Yeah, <laughs> It goes deep. Yeah, maybe I'll do it one day. We'll yeah, see. we should. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, that's a whole episode on it. Goes it goes very deep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should do like an ancient alien themed episode sometime. <laughs> I own all of the seasons oh, on DVD. It's fucked. <laughs> I, yeah, there's so many episodes. <laughs> so many episodes. What's his name? Uh... George. Oh, George. Uh, I can't pronounce his name. It's a very Greek class He's name. so Greek. Yeah. We should get him on the show. Oh, my God. Yeah. I wouldn't uh, even know what to ask him. Yeah. No, he would just talk and talk, I think. Yeah, yeah. 
All right, all right. So time for my story. I'm very excited for this one. Not, yeah, not I have as no in, idea what you're no, talking about. No, no. So you do know this place, but I mm. don't know if you know the stories. So this week I'm going to be telling a few different stories that are from one location. It's very close to my heart and it might even be close to your heart too. It's mm. a location from the Blue Mountains, mm-hmm. only about an hour and a half drive from my house. And it's a place that most people from the mountains have been to, but they at least know of it. Oh, God. Any okay. ideas just yet as to... I've got some things popping up in my head, definitely. Throw them at me. What are you thinking? Okay, I've got the Renaissance Centre in Katoomba, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. like a really scary place. And then I've also got the Wentworth Falls um, Hospital, the abandoned hospital. Oh, yeah? Um, I've got... Um, there's a lot of like, yeah, some of, I don't know, I don't want to say anymore. Okay, well, it's not, it's not those places. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to be talking about the ghostly occurrences of the Janolan Caves. Oh, my God, I've never even been to the Janolan oh, Caves. Oh, you're kidding me. I oh. know. Everyone's like, you're not from the Blue Mountains. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know, I've never been. Oh, fucking hell, we have to go. Uh, absolutely. Ha- I would, I've. I've really wanted to go for a long time. We were actually going to go for our anniversary and it was just before oh. COVID started and we were like, no. There's, so we thrown it's, it's incredible. Like I'll go into it a little bit in my story, but there's just, I can't, you can't even describe what they're yeah. like. They just have like an, just such an energy to them. And I know that sounds fucking. I know I've heard many people say that they're like, it is out of worldly like it's it, just it's amazing so yeah. incredible yeah I, I really 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 would love to go I don't know how I've avoided it for so long yeah just you walk away just feeling like you've been affected by something mm-hmm. like not not like affected by a ghost or whatever but affected by yeah like there's something very special yeah. about this place you know so if people listening, if you've never been to the caves which or heard of the caves, I'm sure there's plenty of people who have never heard of them, mm. I'm just going to do a little bit of a lowdown yeah. on what yeah. they're about because there's a lot of information behind them. I'm just going to touch on it a little bit. Yeah. So the Janolan Caves, they're Australia's largest and most spectacular cave system and they're Did actually, yeah, they're mm, it starts it only starts there they're actually the most ancient open cave system in the whole world what yes and the most ancient limestone cave system in the world as well wow yeah they're it's huge it's the this this cave system is fucking massive so no clue okay yeah the system itself it hasn't even been fully explored yet but currently there have been 400 caves discovered at the location with only 11 of those which are open to tourists. Mm-hmm. The caves are filled with stalactites and stalagmites formed over millions of years uh, alongside water-carved ribbon-shaped limestone walls mm-hmm. uh, and huge deathly steep drops down cliff walls within the cave oh. yeah and it has over 300 entrances that we know of oh. although there's probably way more than that due to the fact that we haven't explored even a fraction of the caves okay yeah it's an inc- it's just the biggest 
It's one of the mm-hmm. biggest cave systems in the world. Uh, mm-hmm. A while ago, I actually saw an estimate of how big they think these caves are, like the yeah. whole system, but I couldn't find it while researching my story. So I'm kicking myself because oh, it was like wow. a kind of scientifically estimated, yeah. um, you know, a- approximation of how large mm. the cave system is. Hmm. But, yeah, if I end up finding it, we can post it on social media. Yeah, definitely. So the First Nations people of this area, who are the Gunungurra and the Wiradjuri mob, they used the caves for thousands of years as a healing area. Mm. Actually, it wasn't exactly the caves themselves, but the subterranean waters within the caves that are believed to be healing waters. Oh, Okay. The local mob would take their sick or elderly to the waters within the cave for their curative properties. The word genolin actually comes from the Wiradjuri word genolin, which means high place. Mm-hmm. And the Gunungurra have their own word for the caves, which is binamia, which means the dark place. Oh, no. Which is a bit ominous, <laughs> Yes, to be Just honest. Bit, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, in terms of European explore- uh, exploration, it was around 1838 that a man named James Whalen was tracking an escaped convict around the area and happened upon just one of the entrances to the caves. <laughs> <laughs> he just happened to come across yeah. it. After this, the caves went through many years of early tourism, early and extensive tourism, uh, exploration, roads and trekking paths being constructed in and out of the area. And in 1898, a number of years after European exploration of the area, the Janolan House was built, which would house the keeper of the caves, right. who at the time was J.C. Wybird. Uh, also known as James Wybird. JC will come up again later in our stories as well as the Janolan Caves House, so put a pin in that because we're coming back to it. All right. Uh, The keeper of the caves was basically the person that would always be at the location overseeing the well-being and the protection of the caves pretty much. Mm -hmm. I could literally just talk forever about the geography, history and layout of Janolan Caves, but... I think it's about time we go into the spooky <laughs> shit of the story, the real meat of the story. <laughs> so the company that runs tours uh, at Janolan Caves actually has a paranormal tour on their books that is very popular. Oh, have you it, done that? No, I haven't. I've done lots of other like regular tours mm-hmm. through different caves, but not. I haven't. I've been wanting to do to do the ghost one mm-hmm. for a while. I heard it's really good. Yeah, that'd be cool. The Tour begins by taking you through the apparently haunted Janolan Caves house that I mentioned before, and then throughout various hotspot areas of the cave system, with, uh, but never with an exact route being planned for the tour. So it's never mm-hmm. an exact tour that you're taken on. It's just kind of, you know, here or there throughout the caves. Yeah. All right. It's, it's actually been reported multiple times that people have been staying in the accommodation at the Janolan Caves house and they have heard the running and the playing of little children in the hallway. Mm. 
This has been reported time and time again. And members of staff at the cave's house say that, yes, this is a regular occurrence in the accommodation. Oh. Do you think there'd be many children there? Like actual children? I doubt it. I doubt it. I mean, maybe. That's what makes it creepy to me. That's probably, you know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. Uh, and but sometimes these noises are so loud that they would wake up staff members asleep in their own rooms. Whoa! So pretty substantial. Yeah. Trish Sanders, who has been the house's front of desk for over eight years, has mm. experienced so many weird things all throughout her experience at the caves, uh, even aside from the phantom kids' noises in the hallways. <laughs> right. She says that also every now and then guests report seeing a little girl between the ages of six to eight wearing Mm -hmm. a long white dress, black leather boots, and holding a porcelain doll. Oh, God. And yeah, this is something that Trish has seen as well. Trish Sanders from front of desk, front of house, sorry. So this little girl, she's mainly been seen in the hallways of the guest house where these loud noises are also heard, uh, mm-hmm. but she's also been spotted within the caves themselves. Which, oh, really? Yeah, which is creepy. I find that to be very creepy. Yeah, she's like, what are you doing? The fucking cave? What yeah, yeah, what are you doing in the caves, girl? How far is it from the, the house to the cave? So it's probably like a 500-metre walk from the – oh, maybe – no, not even. No, 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 not even, not even. Okay. 200 metres? Right. That was a big difference in metres, but, yeah. Yeah. Like 200 metres from the house to the Grand Arch, which is kind of where you go into – to go into a lot of the entrances to the caves. Okay. Yeah. 200 metres, yeah. 150, 200 metres. So one day a lady approached Trish and she claimed she was a medium and able to be in contact with spirits. She said there was a little girl named Emily who mm. was wandering the halls and she had actually drowned in the Blue Lake and she was searching for her oh. mother. And so yeah. it's thought that this is maybe the girl that has been seen. And, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the Blue Lake, it's situated just outside the Grand Arch entrance to the caves, mm-hmm. and it's a big, beautiful, bright blue lake that houses mm-hmm. platypus, uh, platypus and all sorts of oh, wow. beautiful native Australian animals. Mm-hmm. And it also has a very high mineral content as well. Yeah, I, I'm assuming that's why it would be so blue, I guess. I think so. I think that's yeah. why it's so blue. Uh, some people say that water, such as lakes, rivers, etc., mm-hmm. attracts spirit sometimes, uh, mm-hmm. but water that has a higher-than-average mineral content is apparently even more powerful in doing so. Oh. And it's also believed that limestone attracts and holds spirit and the Janolan Caves are a limestone cave system as oh, well so these are just a okay. couple of things that yeah kind of it's all coming together yeah <laughs> charge the area spiritually i guess you could say yeah 
One woman explained uh, one evening while she was on a tour in the caves that the night before, while she was staying at the accommodation at the caves house in room 211, she had her own very creepy, seemingly paranormal experience. Mm. To her horror, she witnessed a ghostly woman's arm come through the door to her room. No body just an arm that had lace at the cuff of the delicate silk-like sleeve on the arm. <laughs> Ew. Yeah, just through her front door to her oh, hotel room. Oh, I hate that. That is so creepy. Oh, I my God. I know. What would you do? Oh, my God. <laughs> Lap the hand away. Get Go away. Out, out, out. <laughs> yeah. <Got> it. <laughs> Rack off. <laughs> Another very strange story coming from the cave's house is that of a family that came to visit Janolin Caves with their two young daughters. Mm-hmm. They were staying on the second floor of the cave's house, but the girls pestered and pestered their mother to go up to the third floor to explore just like little kids do. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but the mother insisted that there was nothing to see there as it was just the same as the second floor, so they never went up. Was she scared? The mum was scared. Uh, probably. She was probably like fucking that? terrified. It's such yeah. an old building. I'd be it's the same. I'd be like, we're not fucking leaving the room. Nah, <laughs> not with ghost arms coming through nah. the doors yeah. and little kids. You guys kids. haven't heard of ghost arm in its shows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so a few years later, this family, they visited Janolin again and reminisced about their previous visit. One of the girls told her sister and mother that with their first visit, after they had not been allowed to visit the third floor, she dreamed she went to the third floor anyway, and she and her sister were floating around the room. In her dream, their mother came upstairs and saw the girls, as well as an older lady sitting in a rocking chair. Mm. The mother beckoned the girls to come down Mm -hmm. and the lady in the rocking chair calmly Mm -hmm. told the mother that the girls were only playing. After she finished explaining about her dream, the mother and the other sister were both staring at her in dismay and said, no, that was my dream. So all three of them had had the same dream on the same night but wow. none of them spoke about it until their return to Janolan Caves years later. <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah, and you can't just leave that up to, like, coincidence. No way. It's That's that's really cool. Weird, yeah. right? Yeah. Having synchronised dreams. About the it's same hard. thing. Yeah, you can't yeah. really say or blame each other on that, like, oh, you copied no, me or whatever. It's like not at all. legitimate, not- yeah. Yeah, very strange. So Trish Sanders, the front of house, who I spoke about Mm -hmm. before, she isn't the only staff member who is vocal about the paranormal experiences that they've had at Janolan. There is a man named Jeff Melbourne who has primarily been the mouthpiece for all the spooky experiences that at least he's had at the caves. Mm -hmm. As a cave guide... He's spent many years conducting tours through the caves and basically knows the ins and outs of every tour cave that is open to the public. 
and he has a lot of stories to tell of creepy and unexplainable things that have happened to him and others while Mm -hmm. on tours throughout the caves. One evening, having just taken a small group of visitors down a flight of stairs from the Orient Cave, Jeff was in the mud tunnels section of the caves. Suddenly, a big piece of cave crystal came flying over the top of the group and smashed against the wall behind Jeff's head. Who threw that? Jeff asked, annoyed at this point. Come on, own up. (laughs) Sometimes on evening tours, after a drink or two with dinner, some visitors have been known to do silly things. Oh, that would be so fucked up to see someone in a tour do that and be like, what? What the, the fuck are you doing? You? I know. Yep. Oh but no one owned up to this. Mm. Everyone was a bit perplexed about what the fuck had just happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. The following Saturday night, the same thing happened, but with mm. a different group of visitors. At the bottom of the same flight of stairs, a piece of yeah. cave crystal came flying over the heads of the group and hit the wall behind Jeff. Wow. Who threw that? Again, no one owned up. (laughs) The next Saturday, Jeff was once again speaking to yet another group at the bottom of the same set of stairs when a much larger piece of crystal about the size of a cricket ball came (gasps) bouncing down the stairs behind him, landing at his feet. Oh, my God. Oh, with it being behind you as well, you would just wet yourself. (laughs) Yeah. He heard a low chuckle, ha, 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 coming from the top of the stairs. No, that's too much. (laughs) I know. (laughs) That's too much. I know. He gave his order. (laughs) Especially when it's, like, repetitive, repetitively the same thing. Something is Mm -hmm. just trying to fuck with you. At this point, (laughs) he gave his audience a hard stare but realised they could not have been responsible. Did you hear that? He asked. They said they had heard it too. He ran back up the stairs expecting to confront a laughing rock thrower. (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. He called out, is anyone there? And utter silence. Yeah. He didn't hear footsteps of someone running away. He heard no one's response at all. And he never found the rock thrower, ever. Mm-hmm. Another experience that Jeff has had was one evening he was taking a small family through the Orient Cave and it was very quiet. They were in a chamber known as the well within mm-hmm. the Orient Cave and they were just peering up at a natural dome far above them, um, admiring the magnificence. Mm-hmm. Jeff was describing their surroundings when he heard a loud, piercing scream that oh. terrified him. <laughs> oh. uh, it came from the chamber that they had just left. But everyone who was on his tour was now in the well. The man from the small family said, what was that noise? And mm, So they heard it too. Yep. Yeah. Jeff said, what did you hear? Sounded like a woman screaming, the man said, still with fear in his eyes, looking like he was expecting something to leap from the shadows. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Jeff said, yep, that's what it sounded like to me. 
That is really, really messed up. That's so fucked hearing up. Hearing a scream a like s- that. High-pitched scream and in a cave it would just reverberate yeah, as well. Through, oh, my Oh, and you've never been to the cave, so you don't no. know how quiet it is in these caves. It because it's so. Uh, I don't even think I've been like in a cave, like a, a proper cave before. I don't even think I have. There, it's just you're surrounded by solid mm. rock, um, and so mm. you are just so you're completely isolated away from light sound temperature the temperature pretty Mm. much stays the same all year round because you're in a cave it's not really affected by outside influence so yeah you're just very isolated and so to hear a scream like that is just fucking yeah that's 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 really messed up yeah really messed up the children actually started to cry when this happened (laughs) and they all decided to leave the cave without finishing the tour because they were just so scared. Yeah, yeah. Why didn't he check it out? He said that he was absolutely certain there was no one else in the cave. They had just been in the chamber from which the sound had come from and it's impossible for visitors to get into any of the caves unaccompanied due to gates and locks. Oh, yeah, okay. And only the guides being a- are able to turn on the lights in the cave as well. Oh, right. And there's absolutely no reason for any other staff member to be there at night. Which it's so far away as well. Janolan Caves is like not. There's nothing there. There's except nothing for the cave. except the caves. So, there's nothing. You are yeah. literally driving along a isolated, a empty road. Mm. Like no houses, no yeah shops, accommodation, nothing. There's nothing out there. No. Uh, yeah. So that kind of, you know. Uh, cancels out that possibility. Yeah. And also, if a member of staff is found to be in the caves out of their working hours, this is instant firing. Oh, right. Because the caves are so well protected. If you were to be found uh, in the caves and you work there, you would just be fired on the spot. I see. It's got to be, like, on the books while you're in there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah. Yeah, they're fully, like, protected as in, like, environmentally protected and they're, like, monitored and they have people coming in doing, like, surveys and testing and all that stuff. So it's very, like, it's very kind of delicately uh, monitored area. Uh, Jeff has had an uncountable amount of paranormal, well, he thinks paranormal experiences ranging from phantom laughing children in the caves to literally being pushed down to the ground by an unseen Mm. force. But out of all of Jeff's experiences, the one that he talks about the most and the one that has left the biggest impact on him is his encounter with who he thinks was J.C. Wybird, James Wybird, the keeper of the caves, who I spoke about before. Yeah. So he was a keeper of the caves who lived in the cave house when it was first constructed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is what Jeff said about his experience. Right. About a year ago, I was taking a group of visitors through the river cave at Janolan. It was a regular tour, not one of our ghost tours. 
The path runs alongside the pool of reflections, one of the main features of the cave. I was leaning over the railing, looking into the crystal clear water, and I saw something shining at the bottom. A bloke standing next to me said, it's a button. Without looking up (laughs) and still looking at the object, I said, you think so? He said, it's a button off an old tunic. There's another one over there. I still didn't look up at him. After peering into the water for a few more moments, I looked up and decided to start moving the group along. Uh, But I realized there was no one standing right next to me at all. The closest guy was several meters away and he called out, what happened to that guy between us? (gasps) I said, what did he look like? He said he was a tall man wearing like a rumpled grey suit, but there was no sign of the man anywhere. Oh. (laughs) Unfazed by the event, Jeff wished that he'd actually looked at the man that spoke to him. (laughs) Oh, I bet. Jeff said, I thought about it and asked my group if any of them spoke to me about a button in the water or an old tunic, and no one knew what the hell I was talking about. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Prior to working at Denolan Caves, Jeff Melbourne worked in the Commonwealth Bank for 32 years. Wow. As well as supervisory and management roles in customer service and IT. Mm -hmm. So pretty straightforward bloke. Mm. He claims that he did not believe in ghosts at all (laughs) before working at Denolan, and it's Mm -hmm. really only been since having so many unexplained experiences that he started to believe. Yeah. The following week, after uh, leading a tour by the same spot by the water, where he saw the button and the man in the in the grey suit, one member of his tour group said he was glad to get out of that part of the cave that they were just in. Mm. When asked why, he told Jeff that in the shadows he had seen someone sitting on a rock watching their group. No. <laughs> Just watching. No. Yes. Jeff asked oh. what the person looked like, and the tour member said it was an old, tall man in a grey suit. <laughs> and this apparently is a thing that's happened more than just this one time. Mm-hmm. This man in a grey suit is seen sitting on a rock just watching often, but he looks like a real person. But yeah. then it's realised yeah, that he's, he's quite solid. Like solid, not, um, yeah, yeah. But then he just kind really of disappears. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So just speculates that these appearance, appearances may have been the ghost of James Wybird, mm-hmm. uh, who worked for Janolan for almost 50 years. Mm-hmm. He was very passionate about his job and the caves. Mm-hmm. He actually discovered the river cave, the pool of Cerberus, Cave, mm-hmm. Temple of Baal Cave, mm-hmm. Orient Cave, and the Ribbon Cave, all at Janolan while working as the keeper. Mm-hmm. It's rumoured that his ashes may actually be buried in an inaccessible crevice deep in the cave's labyrinth Ooh. to which he just devoted his entire life. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, makes sense. Oh, yeah. yeah, totally. It all makes sense. You know, he yeah. 
loved the he worked there for so long and he yeah. was so passionate about yeah he's not gonna be like put my ashes in the ocean because you're not very close to the ocean there so be like no scatter me in the cave oh in the caves yeah it's perfect deep in a crevice yeah. somewhere you know yeah that's uh, how i want to go yeah exactly crevice. Mm, yeah somewhere that you love yeah since James Wybird's death in 1942, a huge number of guides and visitors have claimed to have experienced fleeting glimpses of a tall man in a suit with a big dark moustache on many different occasions. Ooh. And this description fits James Wybird to a T. Yeah. How he had a big moustache and mm. always wore, like, uh, you know, a grey suit and, you know, same kind of look every day. Yeah. <laughs> Another bit of phenomena that happens quite a bit at the caves that is also attributed to James Wybird is people being tapped on the shoulder with no mm -hmm. one behind them. Oh, <laughs> classic, classic trick. Yeah. Oh, classic. Jeff Melvin says that he can't even count how many times he's had a phantom <laughs> tap on the shoulder. <laughs> Though this does seem to happen more to female guides, actually. Oh, okay. And apparently it never feels malicious. And a number of the guides who have experienced this say that it feels like to them that this mm. is James Wybird saying, hey, you're doing a great job looking after my beloved caves. Oh. Which is very nice. That's nice, yeah. Although creepy. Yeah. Good job, good job. <laughs> yeah, good yeah. job. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, as I've mentioned, I've been to the caves multiple times and okay. each time I go I have just the most intense draw to go back almost straight away. Mm. And the caves, they pretty much always leave a huge impact on me just for weeks. Yeah. It's indescribable. There's really no way to explain Chenolan Caves. It's one of those places that you just have to go to to understand mm -hmm. how incredible it is because mm -hmm. even looking at the caves inside is amazing, but it almost just feels alive, you know. Yeah. The whole area, the landscape, the animals, the caves, the mob there, it's all so ancient. Yeah. Even just geographically, it's one of the oldest places in the world and it's just so unique and unlike anything else mm -hmm. to get to the caves you have to drive down this really long steep winding road that is just like totally encompassed by some of the oldest native plant species and when you actually arrive at the caves you drive through a huge imposing grand arch Wow. The caves are situated in what you could call the base of a gully at the bottom of a mountain, but the feeling you get when you're there is that you're almost in a hole that is surrounded by steep walls of tumbling mountain. Wow. Everything is on an angle. Mm. When you go into the caves, there is such little light that penetrates the labyrinth that when you're on a tour and the guide purposefully turns out the lights for a minute you almost feel like you're upside down it gives you Ooh. oh yeah it's very intense mm -hmm. it gives you a feeling of being so alone but also just totally surrounded by something yeah it's very unnerving uh 
I don't use the term having energy often because it makes mm-hmm. me feel too kind of like woo-woo, shanty-shanty. Mm-hmm. But the place mm-hmm. has an energy that is indescribable. I could only imagine there is some ancient magic to the place and this is what's helping the spirits stay here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's that's the Janolan Caves and I feel I, I could oh talk God. just for hours and it wouldn't it wouldn't do it justice. Yeah. I mean, I haven't even been there and I've heard so many amazing stories. Pretty much everyone that's gone there is like, what do you mean you haven't gone? It's like a once in a lifetime kind of thing. It's so yeah. It's so unique, as you said. It's so it's, unique. There is nothing like it anywhere else. It's, no, it's amazing. Like it. You've definitely. I've really not even looked into it too much at all, and you've completely sold me. I mean, I always wanted yeah, to go yeah. anyway. We we're going to go a couple of years ago, as I said, but yeah, I think it would be really fun to do our own like little tour, if possible. Oh yeah, yeah, that yeah. would be amazing. It's there's also. When you go on a tour of the caves, like, you have to be with a tour guide, right? Yeah. And these people are so passionate about the caves that you can literally ask them any question and they know the answer to it. That's awesome. I love that. When they they love and breathe their job, They breathe this shit. Oh, yeah. And there's just so much history behind it. Like, unfortunately, a lot of the history is kind of – the European discovery of it, which, yep. you know, that's fine. It's interesting. But, but it goes so much further than it's that. And so it's so much deeper. Yeah. And just the place geographically is very, when you're there, it's almost like nerve-wracking because you feel like the mountains are just going to landslide onto you. Even wow. driving down the street the steep road to get there everything's slanted and so all the trees are slanted kind of over the road that is so weird yeah i mean i've lived in the blue mountains for like over 10 years and i've i've never experienced something oh i would love for you to go there yeah i would love for everyone to go there but yeah you gotta do it i mean yeah I went as a kid. Actually, I've got another thing to say quickly before we wrap it up. Yeah, but, sure. Uh, yeah, I went as a kid and I remember the first time I went back as an adult, I yeah. left and I was like, I don't want to go. Like I was so tired and so worn out, but I was like, I can't mm. leave this place. It's just so beautiful. But, yeah, something that really, something really interesting that happened to me maybe like a year ago. Right. I hadn't been to the caves in literally years I hadn't been in such a long time and one day I was like feeling really like strange and kind of like blah and it was just me and Panda at home and I was like you know what we should go to Janolan Caves like haven't been in so long and it's a beautiful drive out there Mm -hmm. and it means that I can kind of just like listen to a podcast while I'm driving Mm -hmm. it'll be really nice a great day out put Panda in the car put myself in the car started driving and I put on one of my favorite podcasts, which is called Scared to Death, and it's an mm-hmm. it's another paranormal podcast. Um, but they're American, mm-hmm. and they're really big. They're re- they've got so many yeah, listeners. They're huge. Oh, yeah. they're fucking huge. Anyway, I was driving. I was like, oh, I'm going to listen to a Scared to Death podcast. I put on an episode, and they do multiple stories. Mm-hmm. It's two hosts, multiple stories each in an episode. Um, the first story that they started talking about was Janolan Caves. No 
way. I was like driving to Janolan Caves and they started talking about Janolan Caves. That is so random. I know. What? I hadn't been to the caves in years and just out of nowhere I was so like. so many episodes as well. They've like, got what? so many episodes and multiples, like about six different stories in yeah. each episode. Yeah. So yeah. out of all the episodes and all the stories, like this is, and I was mm. like, what the f- Fuck! I n- literally hadn't had not th- even thought of the oh, caves in years. Just to years. see your face in the car, hearing them say that, you'd I be like, know. "What?" I know <laughs> it was wild. I actually wrote them an email yeah. saying, "You wouldn't believe it," and they replied, yeah. which was really yeah. nice. But yeah, that's th- awesome. Oh, oh. oh, great episode this week. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to see your photos you picked for this as well. I think it will. A lot of people. I mean, half of our listeners aren't from Australia. So I think this will be a really cool, um, yeah, I think it's a really good story for them to kind of look into, look at the pictures and get some more history on it because if if you ever come over to Australia, you have to go. Oh, you have to do it. Yeah. Even the drive out there, it's like, what, an hour and a half drive or something from where I am or from Katoomba or something. So before you even get to the real windy steep road, it's a beautiful drive because you're up really high yeah 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 it'd be amazing yeah oh hell yeah great episode um yeah it's good to get back into it now you know had a little break break had a listener story episode yeah and now we're back to our regular programming it feels good yeah that's right it does so yeah uh glad to have you guys back on board with us this year and yeah check out our website uh we've got all of our links to all our socials if you want to support us check out our patreon um but yeah if you want to reach out to us as well you can get us on spooky mountain podcast at gmail.com yes um, we would love ears. to hear from you yeah yeah in one do. way or another yeah yeah that's it all yeah. right all cool. right we'll speak to you guys next week all right we'll speak at you next week bye-bye bye bye-bye This episode of Spooky Mountain was created and recorded on land of the original custodians, the Gundungurra and Bidigal people. We pay respects to the past, present and emerging mob. My name is Geordie and I'm a proud Glenier woman. Thank you for listening.